Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast. It's Reclaimed Audio with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. The Vance Maker, ladies and gentlemen. Vance Maker. The future is bright, regardless of what they may tell you. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to start it off as we normally do. I'll walk in through the intro, and then we will... Uh, I guess we'll just go into the Q&A. Wait, 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 wait. wait. It's just like the regular podcast. We've been delayed by Bill. <laughs> so when... Turn it off his washing machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you done doing laundry, Bill? I'm Close the garage door, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we figured that out now instead yeah, of 15 it's... minutes in. Wow, we're doing a live podcast in front of a studio audience. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, how are you? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, Hugh's on first. Oh, I see. For those of you listening in the future, Bill is wearing his Christmas sweater, and it's not ugly. It's beautiful, and it lights up. Really (laughs) tremendous. Well done. So, so, Phil, can you pick a number? 77. Okay. So, I'm going to do the first giveaway. So, the number 77, this shirt is yours. (laughs) 77? All right. Uh, I can't believe you admitted to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are really starting off organized yeah. here. No, yeah? just like yeah. I feel like I feel like that lesson that we we talking about being yeah. organized and prepared. It, really organic. Paid off. It's very yeah. organic right now. Organic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's a strip tease involved right. too. While he, while he's doing that, I'm just going to yeah, launch in. We're running a little behind. Yeah, let's so, go through the notes. Yeah, I'll do. Uh, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 57 for the Wednesday this will come out, which I believe is the 7th. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I normally do the top Patreon supporters, but uh, the only one I have memorized right now is the godfather, Jimmy DeResta. Oh, it is live. Hang on. Okay. Right. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I just want to thank the godfather, Jimmy DeResta. What's a DeResta? And, and don't let me forget, I want to do the selfies thing. We just forgot it before. Really. So, so. We hold up and the, you know, they can see us. And we, the can, we can do that whenever. We'll do that after. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. So uh, the next thing that we do is we always talk about what's on the bench. So why don't we just sort of lead off with that? What do you, what's up with uh, who wants to go here? You want to go first, Bill? So I, um, I'm going to make a shoe rack for Casey. <laughs> because the most important thing in my life is to do what she says. That's all. That's great. All right. So uh, I guess I guess I'll go next. The uh, the thing that I am working on now and will probably continue to be working on for the next few weeks is Etsy orders. Rubo vents. Rubo That no, that one's done. That one's good. That's put away. That's uh, that's in the bank. That one's been uh, a tremendous adventure, but it was. Uh, you know, eight months in the making, and it finally happened. But no, the, the Etsy orders are what's happening right now. I sent out, uh, I don't know, about three orders the day before, yes, so Friday. And then I've got another three orders that have to get out before this Friday, and I haven't started them yet, so that should be... Hooray. Yay, me! <laughs> but uh, that's what I'll be focusing on. I really, really want to get a video out, and I was inspired by, by Jimmy and the way he... Um, moved his plasma table, these little metal skates that help you move around something that's heavy, and I have to get my bandsaw moved around in the shop. I'm really into reorganizing right now and really getting my shop optimized, and I thought I could make them out of some birch plywood, just sort of use a hole saw to make some wheels, and they don't really have to last very long, but I I thought that was really cool, and I'm going to make that in a video, and maybe that will help somebody else. Cool. Yeah. So what are you up to? Um... Normally, I, when I do YouTube videos, I put them out on Sunday, but this week's I, I, I put mine out yesterday just so I could say when you asked me that, magnetic block of wood, magnetic block of wood, magnetic block of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making magnetic blocks of wood. That's, no, that's great. Science. Right. Are you making them so strong that even you can't open them? <laughs> well, they're, uh, for those who don't know, I, I've been making props for these. One of these rooms, it's like an uh, adventure rooms type thing where you have to escape in an hour and solve all these puzzles. And so I make props for them. 
And uh, I had made these before, and I thought it'd be fun to make this sort of fake infomercial, but they're just basically pieces of wood with really powerful rare earth magnets in the middle, like kind of pinch your finger kind of powerful. <laughs> and, um, and they stick to everything. So I just made this fake infomercial. I stuck them all over things, and it was, it was fun. So that's it. Yeah, and definitely going to watch that. Yeah, and other, yeah, you still have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We've been busy today. So, so, so do we have those uh, magnetic blocks of wood in these boxes? What are these boxes? Uh, I, have, I have no idea. But uh, oh, these, these boxes. boxes. Oh, these, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, this is something I I tried to do this like a year ago with Dave Welder, and I saw the last time I was in your shop a few months ago. That box is still in the same spot I put it, <laughs> which is collecting. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but so I had, I, uh, and there's been a lot of stuff like this done around where people like do collaborative things because basically what's so cool about this whole uh, setup is that we found people that are like each other. And, uh, and that's, we're all here because of that. And um, we don't always necessarily feel that way. And we want to share what we're doing. That's why we listen to these podcasts and interact. And I had the idea of, of uh, using priority mailboxes to mail random pieces of junk and reclaimed objects to someone. Whoa, 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 whoa. I flew here from California. I could have just mailed it. Yeah, that's, it probably would have been cheaper in the mail than the flight. <laughs> Sorry, I, th- I thought you knew. Okay, but so, so I, the, the idea is, is like a, uh, this is the scale, right? So you mail someone a box of stuff that fits in whatever box you decide on. And this, this box, since there's three of us, is for you, Phil. Thank you. So the, he doesn't know what's in there. I don't even know what's in there because I did that like a month so and a half ago. Do the switcheroo. Give me yours. So, yeah, who gets? I, you get the, yes. I get Phil's. Well, I, I thought we were making it for ourselves. I like everything. It's in there. I don't want to give it. <laughs> Just give it to him. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and then this one's yours. Okay. So, right. so now what we're going to do, we're going to open this up. We have no idea what's in We're going to open it up later because we're short on time. And uh, we're going to make a project and post it on YouTube of what we make out of this stuff. And we encourage other people to do the same things, of course, because, again, it's about reclaiming, upcycling, and sharing. And I think well, that's... I went out and bought all of my parts. Oh, yeah. They're, if they to all have today. a key price tags that's on That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. I definitely didn't pack up the morning I left, but yeah. that's fine. Okay. It's all about giving. That's why I gave Phil, the Canadian, the box that's from the U.S. Yeah, we don't right. have these boxes in Canada. So, so it, d- it does get tricky internationally. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll just give the actual dimensions. But anyway, yeah. so it's, it's meant to be sort of like the imagination game, which was one of exactly. our oldest episodes where it was sort of you give somebody a hypothetical three materials or four materials, and they have to make something really, really cool out of it. Except this time, it's in real life, and it's something that fits inside this tiny box, and... Hopefully they make something amazing out of it. Or so, nothing. Or nothing. Yeah. But or you just know, look at it and go, what were they thinking? And this, this, I just thought of this now. We probably should have had a meeting. <laughs> but I just thought of this now because this is like a Q&A is what we're going to launch into very soon. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't have a question but you want to ask a question, we could actually play the imagination game. So we could just stand up and yell out three random things and one of us will tell you something you can make out of it. That's a lot of pressure. Maybe let's You're, just stick with the Q&A. Or... <laughs> we, okay. <laughs> All right, we got help from Mr. Duresta on the corner. Or maybe so. we'll save that for the making of yeah. 200. Okay, we could do that too. I'm just... I like the Q&A. Yeah. You want to it's... pause this for a minute? I'm just kidding. Oh, you <laughs> now, see, they make it out like I'm the one, right? They are. No, no, no. Let's, let's keep yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But it would be, it would be fun. I might. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe one of our, our recorded ones, maybe you guys could actually tweet us yes, at Reclaimed Audio. Just three things. And we'll do another future, because that was my favorite episode. Yeah, let's do an Imagination Game yeah. 2 with a lot more audience participation. Hit us up on, on Twitter, at Reclaimed Audio. And if you feel like you need more than 140 characters, you can uh, send us an email, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. But uh, let's do the Q&A. Let's open it up to yeah. the floor. So, I, I have one question quick first, though, uh, about, right. uh, regarding the boxes. Yep. Was I supposed to do wash it in the laundry first before I put it in the box? It's whatever. <clears throat> Anyways, questions. <laughs> let's, let's live... Dive into it. Does anybody have any questions for us? Anybody at all? <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to keep okay. the train rolling because... We'll get, oh, uh, right. Lisa right over there. Okay. Oh, is, any, is anyone going to be interrogated this time? That's a really good question. I will. Andy Berkey is not here, so probably not. And, and what Lisa is referring to is we've done two interrogation videos where I got interrogated once, and then we interrogated Andy Berkey a uh, year-ish later. But no, not on stage. And I, I was, we were going to ask Tony Rouleau to do it for us, to be the interrogatee, but it's family-friendly up here. We, you know, no. Next time, Tony. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry? Old shoes. What were you making out of old shoes? <laughs> old shoes. Oh, we're right into the game. Old shoes. Uh, Phil has been voted down. Um, did, did you... I actually did a video not too long ago. Did you see that one? I did not. Oh, I did... I just 
Oh, because we're at a Converse factory, yeah. Um, that's a good point. I, I just made a video, ironically, uh, not too long ago, where I took a pair of old, um, what are they, Kevas? Or Tevas, I think they're called? Tevas. Tevas? I don't yeah. know. And uh, I should know. I'm the hippie, right? Yes. <laughs> but uh, and I actually made bracelets out of them uh, for a family. It's like a whole long story. You can watch that video on my YouTube channel. But old Converse Chuck Taylors. Uh, I mean, the canvas itself is pretty good material to make all sorts of things. Uh, maybe in model making. Actually, uh, I was talking to Paul Mayette earlier about my workbench that slides around on my tile tile floor, and he said use some like uh, cut up some rubber tread and just use that underneath. But I could just cut up some shoes. Let's say a pair would give me four for enough for each leg. And I could use that underneath the, the legs to stop it from, uh, from moving we, around. We, we want to make it very clear we will not be cutting up any converse. Like not new ones. Yeah. Old ones. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> Do, oh. In the backpack, I think, was first. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the question was about uh, pricing our stuff, whether it's uh, underpricing or overpricing or the whole concern about pricing uh, what it is that you work on. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you don't want to be working minimum wage. And if that means that you uh, say no to somebody, then so be it. My school of thought on it, and I've said it on the podcast, is keep raising your prices until they stop paying. And for me, that's been critical and has worked really, really well for me. Uh, like I said, it, it's a hobby, but I'm not looking to make two bucks an hour. Uh, and if I'm spending time away from my family and I want this to be, let's say, supplemental income, I make sure that I price it so that it's worth it. And if the object takes too long versus what people will pay for it, I'll find another object. I mean, do you guys feel any differently? No, I, I, I like that. Um, I don't think I've ever actually am, am put that model in to just keep pricing it up until it stops selling. Yeah. Um, I tend to find a price that works for me. I find like, not to go to cutting boards, so always go to cutting boards, but I can't make a cutting board for less than a thousand dollars. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> it's, it's just painful. Um, but I can make a table for less than a thousand dollars. So I make right. tables and I sell them for less than a thousand dollars often, you know, sometimes they're more depending on. So I, I do a price that works for me for how much I want to make to feel like I'm making a living and also not I mean, th there is a relative market, but sometimes, like, if someone wants a cutting board from me, like, yeah, it'll be a thousand dollars. If they say great, I guess I'm making a cutting board. But chances are, they're not going to say great to that, you know. Forward me the number of anybody who's paying a thousand bucks for a cutting board. Yeah, anyone? Chris, Chris, <laughs> cute, Chris, cute, yeah, <laughs> tremendous. Uh, we we have two, but I think you were first. Do you want me to? Yeah. Uh, so, the, well, the question was if, uh, besides going to the Craigslist and checking like free columns, if there's any good sources that we go back to to look for uh, unique sources, I guess, yeah. like unique places that we go looking for reclaimed materials. Um, I get, I've been doing it long enough now where I get a lot of phone calls even, like where people tell me like, oh, my, my grandmother's throwing away her dining table. Do you want it? And so sometimes just letting people know what you do. Uh, works out like my my wife and I just went a few weeks ago to a friend of ours house that they're closing out their their parents are moving out of the house and there was uh, all this lumber from the guy's workshop that I just took all this ridiculously huge pieces of wood home um, you know just kind of being out there and then also I like to drive around the industrial part of town uh, I tend to cut through there a lot and then sometimes you see interesting stuff uh, I've heard people that live in cities like Boston for instance um, in May when all the colleges let out, there is just a plethora of, of stuff on the curb. Anybody who lives in a city knows that. You know, any college town, really, that you can find. And some of it's just, you know, particle board and whatnot. But um, there's just stuff just uh, en masse. And I'm, if the dumpster looks pretty clear, I'm not afraid to peek in. <laughs> it's technically against the law, so I'm, you know. <laughs> what about you, Bill? I would say the industrial areas of um, wherever you live. Cabinet shops are a real good place to source uh, a lot of different types of wood. They'll throw away a lot of scraps. Um, Auto upholstery places that do, or any kind of upholstery, like cars or boats or whatever, you can find a lot of free material that way too, as far as like textiles go. And pallets are everywhere, they really are. So. Yeah, so for me, pallets, like a, we have them at work and I could take them all day long. Um, at this point, I'm sort of trying to move away from pallets only because they're so labor intensive to take apart. And I know people have like tricks and you get into a rhythm, but if I can find something that requires almost no labor, then all the better. And just driving around my neighborhood on garbage day, like, I guess maybe a year or two ago, I would have been pretty embarrassed to 
pick my neighbor's garbage, but at this point, if it's good and you're dumb enough to throw it out, I'm going to pick it up. So, You know, another one, too, I just thought of is, like, I get a lot of cedar because the, the people that rent the barn next to me have a fence company. So that's, again, like the industrial side of town type of thing. You find the guy, look in the yellow pages, there's a guy that has a fence company, and he doesn't want to pay to throw that stuff away. In, in my case, the guy burns it. But so he has a lot of pallets that go in that pile, so I don't have to go driving around wasting gas for him because they're right there. But if you can just make that part of your route. And I get to pick and choose now. Like, all that, there's a lot of that fences like that scalloped kind of. But then there's a lot of these nice one by Every time a one by four fence comes down, I grab every piece of it and I, I make money with it. I mean, it's, it's easy to denail, it's soft, you just cut the ends off, you know. Just uh, being creative with it. What, what about if you're using a um, fence, reusable fence material, but what should be, we be aware of? It's oh, dangerous. Why don't, why don't you tell us? Well, I'm just saying, any kind of <laughs> why don't you tell us, Bill? <laughs> well, now that you've asked, any kind of reclaimed fencing material that has been uh, pressure treated for outdoor use may not be a good idea to plant your kid's salad stuff in, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> My kid's salad stuff? You know. <laughs> he does that. Don't you make your kid's salad stuff? Yeah, uh, pressure treated wood. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> Don't eat it. Uh, was it Jesse back there? Oh, okay. I'm glad we took care of that. Keith. Ooh, what's the holy grail thing you want to find to like repurpose or upcycle? Do you have a holy grail item? A pair of Jimmy Duresta's leather-sewn handmade pants. Do you, do you have one that's not creepy? No. <laughs> that, was a, that was a little underhanded lob, and you hit it out of the park, so well done. <laughs> I guess I'm just looking for really good material. I can't think of anything specific, because the material will always dictate the project for me. Uh, whatever I find, like, a, I don't know, plywood is easy. I had a friend who gave me a whole bunch of plywood, and it's turned into a bunch of... I don't know, shelving and, and cute cubbies for the shop and all kinds of stuff like that. I guess I want to make a cart. Nah, I can't really answer that one. I don't have a holy grail item that I'm looking to pick up. You? Uh, I'm, I'm always more interested in the story of, of the piece. Uh, the more information there is about it and the, the more you can tell about it and convey about it is, makes it more special because really what kind of attracted me to this is that, uh, you know, I'm trying to change the way we look at value of things. And, um, it, it, for me, it's you know someone discards something, then I can take it and I can t- tell its story and put my self into it, and then that's where the value is. The value isn't in the material; the value is in me, and it's in our history and how we're connecting it. So, like for instance, anybody that does subscribe to YouTube.com/backslash Tim Sway might know uh, have seen lately. I just had a, a a gentleman bring me some wood from a 1894 schooner that I've been killing all my saw blades on. Uh, yes, the Ernestina. The Ernestina. And so I, I haven't made anything like super spectacular out of it yet. Like uh, anything off the chart. Like, oh my God, that's so amazing. You know, I made like pens and stuff with it, but it's just such beautiful wood and it's such a great story and it's traveled the world. It's seen more of the world than I have. And, uh, and so that's the holy grail to me. And so that's the holy grail I'm working with right now. But then it's like, I don't know, the, the next thing I might see, like, oh my God, look at the story in that. It's just sort of always the next thing. Yeah, I want to change my answer to Tim's. That was, that was a really good answer. I also want to cut up an 1800s boat. <laughs> I, gave you, a, I gave you a piece, so you'll get that opportunity. Oh, I am going to promo the heck out of that Ernestina <laughs> pen. So yeah. Thank you very much for that. Nice. Uh, any other takers? Phineas. Are there any hobbies that we're looking to get into? Bill? Um. I, a lot of you, I don't know if you know or not, um, I built a lot of fixtures and furnishings for my wife's salon, and she doesn't know this, but I want to start taking um, haircutting classes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Um, I want to learn how to get it. For me, honestly, what I want to learn how to do is CNC work. Anything. I'm terrified of technology. I'm not good at it at all. I know how to turn my phone off and on. So utilizing... Utilizing... Do a shot. Yeah. Utilizing uh, technology to make things now as opposed to just um, the little skill I have with my hands is, would be, that's what I want to do. CNC-ish. Laser, too. CNC laser. And cutter. And um, plasma cutter. And that, yeah. Tim? Uh, I think my life is a hobby. <laughs> and I, I just collect them as I go and I try to make money at them or something while I do it. So, uh I, I just recently, you know, acquired a CNC machine from Rockler, and uh, and I've been really fascinated by that. And I see the ability to uh, 
sort of bridges the technology because I also like really like using my grandfather's hand plane and uh and so like Vance my who just introduced us we're working on a project right now that required using a hand plane and a CNC and to me that's pretty cool uh it's like not necessarily collecting hobbies now but it's like merging them I just want to get better at it all uh, I want to be able to do everything awesome <laughs> Uh, it's funny that there's sort of this uh, this confluence of CNC because I'm uh, I'm working on finalizing a deal with a CNC sponsor and I should have a machine in the next few weeks. So that's definitely something I'm going to be jumping into. My problem is not finding more hobbies but shedding them. You know, like so. Uh, one that I want to pick up better is more is better videography and better photography skills. I'm sort of kind of okay. I understand the equipment, but the artistry behind it is something that I really want to jump more deeply into. I, growing up, I was very much into computers and technology and all that stuff, and I haven't really had an opportunity to integrate that into my into my making and into my YouTube stuff. So that might be something that I want to sort of bring full circle. Uh, but I can't really I, – I don't even have the time to pick up something else. Uh, I just maybe want to go deeper into what it is that I am doing while incorporating some new new elements. So do, did, we, did, we, uh, did we say what the question was at the beginning of that segment? Yeah, okay, great. All right, Jacob. Uh, since you guys work in so many different mediums, uh, what's like your go-to tool that you use for pretty much everything? I mean, the table saw. I mean, what's what's our go-to? Oh, tool? what's our go-to tool? Right, because we work in so many different mediums. I don't know if I am necessarily that versatile. Uh, I'm trying to diversify, and certainly the CNC will make me diversify. I'll start working in. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> tremendous. Okay, I guess there's a lot of mixed material in here. Um, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, the CNC will make me think about maybe metal and plastic as well, but as far as wood goes, my go-to is always the table saw. And uh, yeah, so pretty much that, the router table. And, and as Tim alluded to earlier, I, the sort of the trend as far as hand tools has really gripped me, and it's kind of a, a bit of a disease because you'll end up spending a lot of money on this stuff. And in my workflow, there's limited application, but I want to start integrating more and more hand tools into what I do. It just seems like... It's a faster, better way to do some things that would require more setup with a power tool. So uh, I guess that's my answer. What about you? Um, I, that's a, I mean, I, I guess I primarily work with wood. It seems to be the most readily accessible. So, you know, things like the table saw and whatnot come quick to mind. But if I were to change the question a little bit and be like, you know, like your, your desert island tool or something, I just happen to love the angle grinder. I just think it's cool. <laughs> so that's, uh, and I do find myself... When I'm trying to solve a problem, it's usually like, oh, I got to get this nail out of here, or I got this big thing I need to make smaller, or I can't make this happen because my I don't know how to sharpen my tools properly. So <laughs> the angle grinder usually solves those problems because I can put chainsaw blades on it, I can put sanding discs on it, I can put burrs on it. Um, it's yeah, <laughs> and, but a big Dremel. Yeah. And um, but, uh, what I what I really like about it is. Um, it's like sculpting. It's like because uh, I I do try try to think of it like from that like a sculptor rather than like a like a mathematician maker, you know. So I feel like I'm sculpting with it, which is not great for making those cutting boards. <laughs> I would have to say, I mean, I I can't think of something I would go to specifically, but if my shop got downgraded and I had just a few tools, one of them that I would keep would be the bandsaw because you can kind of. You can cross cut and do a lot of stuff that you can on the table saw, which I know everybody says table saw first, but I have a skill saw, so I could always use that. But the uh, bandsaw allows you to do bigger and smaller and almost scroll saw-ish, saw-ish, scroll saw-ish type yeah. things as well. So I'm very pleased that I have a bandsaw, a 14-inch bandsaw. So that's my go-to. Woohoo! Yeah, no, it, the bandsaw really opens up a lot of things that you just can't do with any other tool. Except for maybe a scroll saw, but you're not going to get the, the straightish lines. I just recently did this, uh, this YouTube themed garbage can for somebody on, on Instagram. And there's no real other way I could have done except for maybe CNC. But I made a, like a YouTube play button with the cutter in the middle and I cut through and then joined it back together again. And, uh, and I haven't really gotten much use out of the bandsaw that I, I bought because it didn't come in great shape. But once I fix it up, I'm really starting to explore that, and it may become my go-to. It's a it's a really amazing tool. I I've just been falling in love with mine, just with this boat wood that 
Because I never took the time to like, and uh, Tony Rouleau was here, gave me this box of blades, you know. And so I got all these big pieces of wood, and I was resawing them on the table saw, doing the flip thing. Not necessarily the best way to do it. And I'm like, you know what, Tony gave me a bunch of blades. And I go in, and there's these big, you know, resaw blades. And so I pop one of those on, and, uh, and to, you know, to actually split the stuff. And it, I was like, oh, my God, it works. Like, it works really well. So I guess my box is in the back, Tony, or? <laughs> no? Yeah. What's right is right, Tony, I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, that's and so I was like, oh wow! Now I'm seeing why people love this bandsaw so much because it can actually rip this stuff and that can do all that. You know, if you take two minutes to put the blade on, it's just going ah, just go to the table saw. You know, no, but that's the thing, like ripping and releasing all the tension in, in yeah. new wood or even old wood that on the table saw could sort of spring at you. It can be scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's open up to the next one, Andrew. <laughs> uh, who, who should you re- no, re- repeat the question? Though. Repeat the question. Yeah. Uh, the question was, "What's it like for the three of us to get together for the first time?" And I can't answer the second part, which is how many times they've been hugged. It's been a lot. I'm no, really. I mean, it's been a lot. Um, I can't believe I'm up here right now, and and to be on stage with these two guys and talking to all of you out here and having him lurking in the corner. It's <laughs> it's really. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, uh, very emotional. So uh, that's all I can say is amazing and emotional. Top that, boys. Amazing and emotional. Uh, no, pretty good adjectives. For me, it, I mean, I've been staring at these guys' faces for the last year for like three hours a week. And then last night, I sort of was a little lost. They came down off this metal bridge, down onto this wharf. And then I see them at the end. And, and then... And then I yelled Lutz because that's the thing that you're supposed to do when you see him. It's like a mating call or something. <laughs> and uh, and it's the whole thing, this whole experience has been unbelievably surreal. To see some of the people that I interact with online on a regular basis in person and to get to know you as real people um, is just incredible. It's just it's mind-blowing. And the only word I can use to explain it is surreal. And you know, just to see these two guys, like I said, it's, it's just mind-blowing. I mean... We are friends for all intents and purposes. We are actual friends. We text each other almost every day, probably every day, and we spend more time with each other. Certainly, on my perspective, I spend more time with these guys than I do with high school friends, college friends. I was so waiting for you to say your wife, and I was going to go, no, no, no. No, no, no. I spend spend some time with her. But, uh, yeah, it's just been... (laughs) It's been incredibly surreal and, and just a wonderful opportunity to spend some real quality time with some very important people to me. And to segue into a huge thank you to Jimmy, Bob, and David, this has been... A round of applause, please. Thank you. You know what I just figured out? I just did real quick. Sorry. I I was... Everybody was clapping for Jimmy, Bob, and David, and I only had one hand, so I I had to wave. But that was was an ad-lib moment for me. It's a half clap. Tim, what was it like for you to meet me? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, nice guy. You guys, I'll, I'll just say you, what you guys said was, was fine. That's adequate. So, ditto. Yeah, d- ditto. <laughs> no, of course, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great because, yeah, I mean, we really do communicate a lot. And it's, um, you know, it, there's always like that kind of weirdness or whatever at first. Like, you're like, oh, geez, what if they're not like this? We all know each other pretty well. It didn't really matter. And, and you guys are you're probably like my best friends right now, you know. So, well, one of, one, one of you is. Tim. One, one of you is. So. Next question. Gib, you had a question I want to get to in just a second, but obviously um, everybody in this room, just so you know, you're all our friends that we just met. I mean, seriously, this is one big family and community, and we love you guys. But Gib Clark. Well, it's a two-part question. Uh, Seven. Line up. <laughs> there'll, there'll be a line. Yeah. There'll be a line afterwards. If you have not been hugged by Bill Lutz, uh, there's going to be a line right after we're done recording. This. But but there are three hands that are up in a room of several hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dealing with 100% free stuff. How do you, do you guys have that struggle? And how do you, you know, how do you cease from like, you know, 100 foot 
So, so his question was, um, do you get frustrated when you, you only find yourself wanting to use reclaimed materials? Do you get frustrated if you can't find exactly what you need? And how do you, I don't feel guilty about having to go buy materials if I have to. Um, I try to use reclaimed materials. I don't make um, money off of much of what I do. So for me, it's just a hobby. So it's, it's basically, and, and I have such access where I live in California, there's a lot of people throwing away a lot of stuff. So I don't ever find myself really not being able to find what I want. But I think even, Tim, you've had to um, buy product when you would rather have found it, right? Uh, yeah, doing it for a living, sometimes I do have to buy stuff. Um, you know, uh, even buying reclaimed is what I try to do first because there are places in my area where I can buy reclaimed. They, they do the work of tearing the building down and then they catalog the wood and stuff. And it's it's very, very expensive that way because there's such a footprint involved in like I, I made a, a table once, and like the I, the customer was very. Spe- I had this wood that was like an inch and three quarters thick, and they wanted two. It was like all right, so now the price goes up, and I have to go drive into halfway across the state to get this wood that was trucked in from Maine. And I, you know, I try to really not do that. And so that's the frustrating part for me is when I can't just completely take nothing and make it something, you know. Um, but I do buy stuff too, you know. Uh, and yeah, it's. But really, what attracted me to it in the first place is I like I like problem solving, and uh, I found that it's the the limitations in life that force creativity. And the more limitations I put on myself, the more creative I have to be to get out of that situation and solve the problem. So I constantly create problems for myself to solve that are like imaginary, you know. Really, in a lot of ways, like when I, you know, like because I try to do fantastical things. Like if I, I'm going to make a ukulele, and I'm only going to use compact discs, and you know, in this box of wood I got from a guy. And, you know, and so then it's like, well, now I have this problem. How do I solve it? And I solve it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so it's, it's the limitations are actually, uh, while they can be frustrating when you're trying to do the job part of it, like the artistic part of it is what like fuels me, you know. I will, uh, I'll do a callback to what, uh, to what Ben said earlier about evolution versus mutation. Um, ben who? Uh, I'm a mutation guy. <laughs> wait, wait, Ben who? Ben Ueda, yeah. uh, my roomie for the weekend. Um, Hi. What's up? So what, what we're looking to do, and, and I mean, maybe I will speak for the three of us here, is what we're looking for is incremental change. I mean, it's one thing for each of us to do only reclaimed, and it's a whole other story for us to get all of you to work a little bit with reclaimed, because that's going to be a lot more change than, than just me doing it or just Tim doing it or just, you know, what uh, I guess Bill does. But, um, I mean, the whiskey boxes that I do are, are all reclaimed. So, and, but they're small enough that it's really not a challenge because the pallet slats are always going to be longer and I can choose the better pieces and, and that kind of thing. So every once in a while I'll have to do some glue ups and spend a weekend just preparing stock for the next batch. But that's not really a challenge for me. And, but I don't feel guilty at all because of what I said. You know, I'm looking to make a smaller, broader change than a singular large change. And if I have to buy some two by fours, I will. And in fact, I should have with that Rubo bench. It certainly would have sped things up. For I mean oh sorry Bob asked how often do we have to change the the design of the object based on the material that we've have access to uh, like I said my object that I'm that I'm making is small enough that ha- really hasn't been an issue so I wouldn't but I have I have changed the design of it simply to keep myself interested and engaged in the process so I'll do different things where the end customer really won't notice a difference like they don't care if I'm doing. I don't know, butt joints versus box joints versus whatever to make this box as long as it kind of ends up looking like the picture that they paid for. And really what they're looking for is a gifty kind of thing that's inscribed with whatever it is, their birthday, their anniversary, their wedding, wedding each minute. It's the inscription that's important for them, not the box underneath. So for me, I'll change it up just to keep it interesting. Let's uh, give trust in your schedules. Okay. Uh, with the exception of batteries, what's an item out there that you haven't found, but you see it being a waste that you haven't uh, found a good solution for it. Maybe you can challenge the audience to find good uses for it. Oh, what's a, what's a material that we haven't found a solution for that is constantly being thrown away? Exactly. Um, I'm sorry? Apart from batteries. Apart from batteries, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's a lot of them. Well, you know, there's even, and I'm not a, 
like a huge fan of recycling because it's still a lot of machinery. I'd rather see stuff get reused. But, you know, there's things like um, there's a lot of confusion around that. And every town is different. Every system is different. Like in like my town, I'm like, I'm kind of like the recycling dude, you know. And, and I go to the recycling plant and they're like, oh, no, that doesn't go there. That goes over here. And it's like, I'm, that, how, how, if I don't know, how does the average consumer or, or uh, to throw her away or I don't know, <laughs> reverse no, you know. So what happens is there's that frustration of things just getting thrown away and, so like I, I do the, some of that with sometimes of trying to find solutions for it. Just like the I use like cereal boxes for like everything because nobody knows if it goes in the paper or if it goes in the cardboard, and that's one of those things. That we, eh, I'll just throw it away, you know. So there's a lot of things that we can use that just get thrown away. But the materials themselves, it's I think a lot of like fabrics and whatnot. I don't know what to do with because I get like you know cow, you don't want to pick up an old couch and uh, some heebie-jeebies. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I maybe I mean you can wash it. I have done T-shirts in the past when I made them. I've used Goodwill T-shirts and Salvation, you know, and washed them twice and then sold them um, to make the point. Fabric. How about you, Bill? Oh, that one. No, that one was actually new this time. <laughs> Are you sure? No. Um, I, I don't know if there's a material out there that I would I'd like to see. How can we reuse it better? I know there's a material out there I'd like to see a lot less of being manufactured is particle board. I, it's almost worthless. If it gets wet, it swells, it's awful. Um, MDF is different to me. I'm talking about like the glued sawdust type boards and a lot of um, cheap furniture is made out of it. And it's really hard to just do anything with it. I've, I've seen like broken tables on the side of the road and I just immediately it just goes in the truck because I can cut this up and use it. Then you find out it's particle board and it's awful. So if there was less particle board in the world, uh, we'd be all better. And so everybody quit buying IKEA furniture and only buy from Tim and Phil. <laughs> well, Great you know, advice. But, yeah. Well, the second and part is okay. maker you know. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, or make your own, really. But um, I, I, and maybe, uh, maybe uh, Ben might even know more. But, like, I mean, my understanding of, of particle board is that they claim it to be eco-friendly because they're using waste from, from wood. Is that true? Right, so so for the sake of the tape, Benueta said that it's you know not necessarily you know marketed that way, and then there's the glue issues of, of the other materials that they use. My issue with it is that it doesn't last; that they're not doing it well. And I and I I would challenge someone to find a better way to make that stuff to actually make you know to take your if you could find a way to take your sawdust and make furniture out of it that's going to last more than a dorm room semester, like do it, you know, and, and show us how to do it, and, and don't use formaldehyde in your glue, please. <laughs> yeah. So it's my turn now. Uh, for those listening at home, I'm pointing at my water bottle. I mean, these things are just kind of a, a curse. There's only one sort of solution to these that I've seen that works well, and that's in, I saw a documentary, and someone in South America basically turned them into something called eco-bricks, and they filled them with sand or concrete. I don't remember what it was, but they landed up using them as um, as building materials for homes. And they're just, they're insulators, they're they're all kinds of things. and uh, And they're cleaning up their community by turning these things into into building material. But for us here, I mean, it's, and I, clearly I'm guilty of it, so sorry, but these things are horrible. I was prepared. St. Tim, sorry. <laughs> All right. Hardly. Um, anyone? Next. Yes, sir. Have either of you had any luck with or used recycle? Uh, have any of you used freecycle.org? Do you ever use that? Uh, I subscribe to the two that are closest to me, and I when I'm looking, sometimes I look at it, but I get I guess that goes into the folder of all this like junk mail. Uh, I've seen some really cool things that I've been slow on. Uh, I haven't been looking lately because I'm trying to thin the herd a little bit of the junk I've collected. So I'm I'm more in the process of trying to get rid of stuff than collect right now. But uh, yeah, FreeCycle is a great. For those who don't know, FreeCycle.org is a, a situation where like you have a couch that is a perfectly good couch. If it puts you put it on the curb and it's going to get rained on, this useless, right? Uh, and you know. Oh, there's all this, whatever, you don't want to throw it away. So you can just put it up. Like, I have a, put a picture on freecycle.org and say, come take my couch, and people will, instead of buying stuff. And so it's a, it's a great, you know, kind of like the Craigslist free column, but it's a little, like, they, you have to sort of be accepted into it, if I remember correctly. There was like almost like, a, not like a heavy vetting, but, so it's not like sketchy, you know, or like as, it's, it's pretty good. So freecycle.org, and check in, see if there's one in your area. <laughs> does it work with spouses? I do not know about that website. <laughs> Sorry. My answer I is tried. no, absolutely not. I love you, babe. How random. Okay. Over there. Uh, 
Yes, I do. Would you like a more detailed answer? Sorry, the, qu- the question was, with regard to pallets, if we worry about uh, what's been on it, formaldehyde, chemical, anything like that. So we, we think we've covered it quite a few times on the show as far as pallets, but I'll, I will reiterate because it's a really, really important message. Um, I'll only ever use pallets that have HT stamped on them, heat treated, never MB, methyl bromide, which is like a chemically fumigated product. Um, and it's just don't ever use that. You'll get sick. Um, but yes, absolutely. You should know what's been on that pallet uh, because it could be chemicals that spilt. Even just because it's heat treated doesn't mean it's safe to use. It could have had all kinds of uh, carcinogenic chemicals on it. So I know where my pallets come from because they're like 30 feet from my desk. But if you don't, then don't use it. I mean, that's that's really the key to it. If you don't know what's been on the pallet, it looks a little funky. It smells a little funky. Do not use it. And even even if you do know where that pallet came from, don't use it for, for cribs. <laughs> I just get nauseous every time I see that crib made out of the pallet wood. You is, that, know? is that a thing? I've seen pallet wood cribs and like Pinterest and stuff. I'm just like, who would put their baby in a pallet crib? <laughs> I don't know. It must be just a, a talking point piece of art because that's. Uh, I've seen it more than once. Uh, <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, and, you know, and I I avoid even like dining surfaces. I don't mind making coffee tables and stuff out of them, but uh, yeah, it's you know if it's behind that plant that smells funny when you drive by it in the morning, don't don't take their pallets. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have I ever built a pallet? Why? Yes, I have. <laughs> My friend Dave Gagne over there, he lives 20 minutes down the road, and he said he wanted someone to make uh, take a piece of furniture and turn it into a pallet. And, uh, and he wanted me to do it because, you know, who I am. And so I said, that's a great idea. And I took a beautiful maple dining table. And I... <laughs> Here it comes. No, but wait. <laughs> and I... Uh, I mean, it was, it was outdated. It was broken, you know. But uh, it was this really beautiful, like, inch-thick maple, and I cut it up. I made a pallet as a joke for this pallet upcycle challenge videos thing. And I was like, oh, I read the rules wrong. So then I gave it to Dave, who is now going to make stuff out of that pallet. Right? You promised. <laughs> so Dave's going to – so the idea is that this table if, – if I took this table and repaired it and restored it in the condition it was in, I could sell it, you know, maybe on Craigslist or, like, a, if I got lucky, some, like, little antiques thing that cost me 50 bucks a month to have a booth, you know, for 150 bucks. But now if I cut it up into stock and I make things out of it, I can make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with this thing. And so that's the goal. Like I made a chessboard out of it that uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning on selling for like, I think it should sell for around $1,000 with the pieces and stuff that are there and uh, that are all made from it. And then Dave is going to make something that's worth a million dollars, I'm sure. Right, Dave? He hopes so. <laughs> so but right, so right next to the bike he made out of a pallet that's in his barn right now. So, But, uh, yeah, but that's the idea. Is like don't be afraid to... To, to rethink and change your perspective of something about it. Like, that, that dining table is beautiful. And I, and I just got in trouble for saying this on a podcast not too long ago. Someone actually kind of... And, I, and I don't, you know, if it's an antique and it's worth money and it's a, a family heirloom, don't just cut it up and, and make knickknacks out of it. But if it's just one of those many tables that is just sitting in the goodwill that keeps getting marked down from 50 bucks to 40 bucks to 30 bucks, don't be afraid to take, spend 30 bucks on it and turn it into a couple hundred. I would love to uh, echo what you're saying, and uh, you know, if you found it in the garbage, yes, you know what I mean. Like it was in the, it was going into yeah. a landfill. It was go, whatever you do with it is better than that. Yeah. even if it's an antique. Yeah, even if, it, if it's an original vintage Eames chair, and you pull it out of the dumpster, you have the right to do whatever you want with that chair now. You've, no, you, know, you don't. Not well, a, no, not no, maybe that. not the Eames, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a vintage Lutz table. Maybe a yeah, yeah. There will be some. <laughs> We have a couple minutes. Can we, can we ask ourselves a question? <sighs> I guess. We, all right. Go fine. All right. What What's your favorite either Jimmy, Dave, or Bob moment? It's, it's their It's their deal. So I want to. No, that's about. that's cool. Way to put us on the spot. Um, no, thanks for again with the meeting. Really, really know. great. Okay, I will say one thing. Uh, I will say that um, I haven't been doing this that this that long as far as making and any of that stuff. Um, I have. I don't know, a YouTube channel that's maybe a year old. I've been playing in my garage for a couple years. But the thing that got me doing this was YouTube. And the person on YouTube that inspired me to even think about making anything was Jimmy. That uh, the, the video that you had where you turned a pallet into a toolbox, I'm, I must account for half of your views, i got to tell you. And, and there's several hundred thousand, so you're welcome. But... Um, but you got me into this, man. And but you know, 
Bob and David as well, just watching your videos, just really reinforced for me that this is possible, that regular everyday people can make amazing things. You just have to have the courage to do the one, you know, spend the five minutes to get started and then it just, it goes from there. Yeah, well said. What about you? Uh, me? Uh, I, uh, what I continue to find amazing is the, how I don't get let down. Uh, I've yet to be let down by, you know, you see someone on a screen or, you know, or you, you have these images. And every time I meet everybody that I meet and I know them from some avatar or, you know, some Instagram picture or whatever, they continue to not let me down. I'm just continually floored by how genuine and honest and uh, incredibly, how little I know, like, and how much, how much knowledge is out there, and and uh, it's it's just amazing, you know. And, and Jimmy, uh, Bob, and Dave, I mean, you know, they're definitely among some of the ringleaders of this, and they have not let me down ever, and they continue to do quite the opposite as uh, as do these two guys I'm sitting next to, and uh, and everyone else. It's just amazing. nice guy, amazing. No, but it's true. It's true. Like you know, what, it's, did we let you down? No, no one lets me down. Okay, all right, <laughs> including, including. Oh, I'm sorry, misunderstood. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, okay. Were you checking your phone? Well, <laughs> no, but seriously, it's just as, as this continues to sort of grow, and, and I'm just you know honored and humbled to be a part of it, and and I and I, I thank the Godfather, you know, and everybody else, you know, yeah. You asked it. Um, yeah. So my one of my favorite moments. Well, first of all, I mean, meeting meeting them for the first time was all cool. Um, Bob ended up taking pictures of my wife and then apologizing. <laughs> Um, I think I kind of stalked David a little bit and offered to let him and Kelly come over to our house, and he asked me if I was going to murder them. But my favorite moment was meeting Jimmy. A friend of ours, Andrew Aragon, said, hey, we're going to Maker Fair. You're going to meet these guys there for the first time. Do you want to go? Yes, I do. So I'm, I'm going to meet Jimmy, and I'm excited. Now, I know by watching some of his videos and some of the stuff that he's done, when you walk up and shake his hand for the first time, he asks you, hey, how you doing? What do you make? So I'm ready. I'm ready for this, right? Because, you know, I was, I was going to say, I make all good things. Because that's his tagline, right? I make all good things. I was going to say, I make people smile. I was going to say, I make a mess. Anything, anything at all comprehensible, I was going to say. And what ended up happening is I'm walking up, and here's Jimmy Teresta, and he reaches out his hand, and he asks me the question. And in my mind, I know it sounded amazingly cool, but what actually came out is, <laughs> and I pointed at my wife. I'm like, stuff in her salon. So no matter how much practice you can have, um, Jimmy can take you up. Well, and then the other part was, is he, um, he, he goes, hey, I got one hat left, Luke. You want it? And I'm like, yeah. So he reaches in his backpack, and I got my own Duressa hat. And I put it on, and it was... All the snaps were closed, like, so it would fit a five-year-old child. But I didn't know. I'm trying to be cool, so I don't want to have to take it out. So I just left it on. And a half hour later, when my ears are all swollen up and everything, I'm going to go to the bathroom, man. I'll be right back, you know. And I had to adjust my Jimmy hat in the toilet. So <laughs> that was that, my most memorable Did you plan that? moment. <laughs> I always plan things about Jimmy in the bathroom. I'm glad I can censor this for later. <laughs> Yeah, let's do the giveaway. Okay, so do, someone had a random number generator or something? Because that's Bob. That's Bob. Oh, cool. So we weren't totally planned for this, but we were going to give away. All I had was a. Uh, well, I have two things. I have a set of <laughs> a set of country western uh, songwriting dice. So, <laughs> so basically, what I figured out is that in order to write a hit country song, all you need are the like sixty-four words that are on these dice. <laughs> And um, <laughs> and you and, and there, if you search the hashtag country dice, is all all the information's there. You can see it actually works. I've written like a half a dozen country songs in less than fifteen minutes, and all of them, if I then did the edit, like fit, would actually probably make you know a top one hundred chart somewhere. So, do we have a number? What what, what everybody doesn't know though, real quick, is they were going to do this in Nashville. This is why we're doing it in Boston. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, ninety five. Anyone number ninety five? Anyone? Did Bueller. we skip giving out tags to people? Bueller. No. All right. Bueller. 239. That actually might be my wife because Vance was 240. Yeah, there we go. Right over yeah. here. Oh, we are right here? We are right here. Oh, nice. Right. Hey. Right. 
All right, listen, the only stipulation is that your first Grammy you dedicate to me. All right. <laughs> Congratulations. And then I also had one, uh, and this, these were new t-shirts. Uh, this is an extra large uh, TimSway.net t-shirt. These are full three-color print done with cereal boxes, my favorite material to use, and spray paint. Would it be rude if, um, uh, real quick, would it be rude if we asked to see the receipt for the clothes that you bought? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, a little bit. Bob, you want to go ahead and give us that number, please? <clears throat> 86. Anyone? 200? <laughs> 127. Hey! Yeah, Jacob, uh, Jacob all wins. right. All right, man. But you got to trade the shirt you're wearing. Yeah, yeah, now you got to put it on. The shirt you're wearing is better, but... uh, Uh, I'd like to do another... You know, I thought there would be another uh, really good one. It sounded really good in my head, but now that I'm going to say it out loud, it's super narcissistic. But uh, (laughs) you're going to get a a 30-minute hangout with the three of us. So A Google hangout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not real life. After we record a podcast, you get a a hangout with us. Yeah, so just come up to me afterwards and we'll arrange it. And you could could give it away if you don't want it. (laughs) What? I'm sorry? That's me. 250. 250. Oh, no. 250? 250. Yeah, no one's going to raise their hand for this. <laughs> <laughs> I see people turning their badges around. Uh, 212. Anyone? We'll give it one more yeah. shot. One, yeah, one more shot, and then we'll just admit our loss. <laughs> 162. Hey! Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> awesome. Hey, as a bonus for not being embarrassed, I'm saying you get a 35-minute hangout with us. 35. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> awesome, man. So, yeah, we'll work that out. You know, we, we know your socials and stuff. Cool. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anything? Thank you, everybody. So, you want to just do our sign-off now? Yeah, go ahead. No pressure. Okay. Um, on Twitter, Instagram... I usually have a script for this, but... On Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, I'm Phil Pinsky. And check out MakerTechReviews.com. Tool reviews by makers for makers. Um, thank you, Justin Sparks. And you can find everything about me, WilliamLutz.com. And I, I, I love you, babe. <laughs> and uh, you can find pretty much everything at TimSway.net. As Bill's T-shirt says, thank you all very much and be good. Hey, real quick, everybody, if if you want, so it's more like our podcast, we'll do that over again and just close your eyes. (laughs) Uh, Okay, never never mind. I really want to do the selfie thing, so give us one more second. All right. I don't know what this is. And when I say go, everyone just go nuts. You guys come in here also. Everybody pretend you're excited. One. Hey, don't cover you. Right there. One, two, three, go. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jimmy, Bob, and David. Keep keep giving yourselves an applause. All of you, give yourselves an applause. Thank you so much.